Hello, friend. Welcome to the Whole Word Podcast. This is Pastor Pitts Evans. On this podcast, we read and discuss one chapter of God's Word per episode. Let's go now to the Bible and see what the Lord has for us today. Matthew chapter 16. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, When evening comes, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, Today it will be stormy, for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. When they went across the lake, the disciples forgot to take bread. Be careful, Jesus said to them. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They discussed this among themselves and said, It's because we didn't bring any bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked, You of little faith, why are you talking among yourselves about having no bread? Do you still not understand? Don't you remember the five loaves for the five thousand, and how many baskets full you gathered afterward? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand, and how many basketfuls you gathered? How is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? But be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not talking to them about guarding against yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say you are Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in His Father's glory with His angels, and then He will reward each person according to what they've done. 
Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Once again, Jesus is confronted by the religious leaders known as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Verse 1, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested Him by asking Him to show them a sign from heaven. Now, these two groups were the lead sects of the Jews in the generation that Jesus was born into. There are also others known as Essenes. This is the group that produced the Dead Sea Scrolls and several other subsets of zealots and um, some that were known as sympathizers with the Romans, Herodians known as sympathizers with the Romans and so forth. But the Pharisees and Sadducees were the primary leaders of the Sanhedrin the um, a governmental body that oversaw Judaism in first century Israel. And so the Pharisees believed in the supernatural. They believed in all of the scriptures of the Old Covenant that we receive. Uh, they believed in heaven. They believed in angels. They believed in many of the same things that you and I believe. The Sadducees had a form of, of uh, Judaism that was much more restrictive. They did not believe in the supernatural. They did not believe in heaven or hell. They didn't believe in angels or demons. They had, if you will, a closed worldview that didn't allow for any supernatural. And so Jesus, of course, challenged both groups in different ways. But Jesus warned the the apostles and those that were following him to be careful of what they taught, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And he referred to their teaching as leavening that had been inserted into the Word of God. Uh, Leavening, as you know, causes bread to swell up and become full of air, and the leavening itself doesn't have any value. It just expands the bread itself without improving the nutritional value. So Jesus said this about the Pharisees and the Sadducees in leaven, verse 6. Be careful, Jesus said to them, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then in verse 12, he explained, and the disciples understood that he was not telling them to guard against yeast used in bread, but against the teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And so this was a warning against all um, uh, teachers that would add anything to the Word of God or take anything away from the Word of God or expound on the Word of God in ways that heaven didn't intend. And then Jesus asked this question. He came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, who do the people say the Son of Man is? Referring to himself as the Son of Man. And they replied, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Still others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Well, it's no different today. There are many religions that acknowledge Jesus lived. Most will acknowledge he was a good man, a moral teacher, a philosopher, Um, all these attributes. Some will go as far as to say he was a prophet or one of the prophets, but few will reply with the reality of who he was. And so Peter is asked, or all the disciples are asked by Jesus, who do you say I am? Peter responded and said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now, if you and I are asked about Jesus, who do we think Jesus is? That's the correct response. He's the Messiah. He's the son of the living God, not just the Messiah, but the Son of the living God. And so that is the correct response. It was shown to Peter by the Holy Spirit of God. It's revealed to you and I from the scriptures that we've received handed down for 2,000 years from these first century eyewitnesses like Peter and like Matthew who wrote this gospel. Jesus went on to instruct his disciples that he was going to have to go to Jerusalem and be crucified soon. In verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple 
must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. The Passion Translation says it this way, If you choose self-sacrifice and lose your lives for my glory, you will continually discover true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourselves, you will forfeit what you try to keep. And so the idea here is that our lives become an expression of the life of Jesus Christ. When we receive Jesus as Savior, we also receive Him as Lord. That means that we live according to His will, according to His likes and His dislikes. We go where He wants to go. We say what He wants to say. We do what He wants to do. And so inasmuch as that's in conflict with the world around us, that's our cross. We have to agree with what Jesus says and what Jesus represents and not with the world around us. And sometimes it's difficult and we have to live a life of self-sacrifice for the glory of God. And in so doing, we continually discover what life's all about. Then Jesus makes this statement, and I want to tell you a little story. He says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their own soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Now, a few years ago, I was in Sierra Leone staying in a guest house. This was right after the ceasefire, and there weren't any hotels yet in Sierra Leone, and uh, in operation anyway. And so they had opened up this mansion that had once belonged to a man named Jamal. And Jamal's story was this. Jamal, at the time that I stayed in his house, was deceased, and um, uh, his home was owned by other people. But Jamal, at one point in time, had been the most powerful man in Sierra Leone. He was a Muslim man. He was not a Christian. And when you stood on Jamal's deck, you could oversee the whole city of Freetown, the capital city. And the days that Jamal lived, he lived like a king. And so he went where he wanted to go. He, um, he had people killed. He had people raised up to riches. He plundered the country. Some say that he tore up the railroads there and sold the tracks for scrap metal and kept the money. He controlled much of the diamond trade when he was alive. And so this was a man that if you looked at Jamal when he lived on top of that hill overlooking the city of Freetown, he was a king. But the truth was he was forfeiting his own soul to gain a high stature in the days of his flesh. And so Jesus' question, I was paused while standing on Jamal's deck and reminded by the Spirit of God of this question Jesus poses. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their own soul? You see, friends, people looked on Jamal and they said, this man has everything. But the question is not the possessions that he had in the days of his flesh, nor the house that he built, nor the businesses that he ran, nor the people's lives that he controlled, nor any of these things. It's all about his relationship with Jesus. Did he give up his life and take up his cross to follow Jesus? Because the Bible says that only those who do that will find their life, and in so saying, eternal life. So to you, my friends... What could be more valuable to you than your own soul? What could be more valuable than following Jesus and discovering what you were created to be and to do? Lord, I pray for all of my friends listening. I pray, Lord, that they would discover the meaning of life, the true meaning of life. Lord, that they would live for the glory of Jesus Christ, that they would choose to live lives of self-sacrifice and forfeit their desires for your desires. Lord, help us to follow you unconditionally, unreservedly. Help us to say along with the early disciples and with Peter, you are the Messiah and the Son of the living God. 
We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Whole Word. It was brought to you by Whole Word Fellowship and the Northern Virginia House of Prayer. If you were encouraged, please share our podcast with your friends. We'd also appreciate it if you'd hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app and take a few moments to write a review. If you'd like more information on our church and our ministry, you can go to wholeword.net or wholewordpodcast.com for more information. Thank you again, and may the Lord Jesus bless you today and always.